0: Good evening, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the program. Now, on with tonight's show. Time slips. Time slips are a very interesting phenomenon. In a time slip, person or persons unknown can walk from the present into the past sometimes from the present into the future. Here are a few stories. Early fall of 1971, three young men working at a Ponca City, Oklahoma feed store were dispatched out to a farm to pick up a feeder. Now, I'm going to assume that this feeder was the liquid type. It was like a half 55-gallon barrel with a solid top that had wheels on it that when the cattle licked the wheels they would get the feed from inside the liquid feed from inside the three three young men's names were Carl, Mark and Gordon and they worked for this feed distributor and they were sent to this remote area to pick up that feeder but when they got there they found out that the feeder was still about half full and too heavy for three young men to, to wrangle into a pickup so they decided to go back to the business and tell the owner and see what he said from there. Well, they got back in the truck and they drove around the barn which which was what, right where they stopped. And they drove around the barn and they saw up on a hill a large white house. And they thought, "Well, that's interesting." You know, just it's there. There's no lights, there's nobody around looks like. So they drove on back and told the boss what happened. He said, look, I'll go out there and drain the tank tomorrow. And then tomorrow evening, you can go out and pick it up again. (laughs) Or you can go out and pick it up. So they did. But the boys decided that while picking up the feeder, they would also check out the house. So they took their shotguns with them. Brave souls, but not stupid. So it says they go out to the farm the next night, and they drive in following the same path they'd cut through the high grass with their truck. They drove up to the barn, they saw the feeder, they got it, and they wrangled it into the back of the pickup and tied it in. Then got back in the truck and drove around the barn like they did the night before, and the house was gone. They thought that was somewhat odd because they'd just seen it the night before, 24 hours earlier. So they got out of the truck and walked up to the top of the hill where the house was. And there was no evidence that the house had been destroyed. No evidence that the house had been moved. Actually, there was no evidence that the house had been there ever at all. So they didn't know what to think about it. They said later, when they were asked about it, one of them said, We have talked about this with each other over the years, but none of us can begin to explain this vision. Did these men witness a slip in time? It's very possible. Time slips have been reported through history. There's a story of two English women vacationing in France in 1901 who claimed to have stepped into the French Revolution, and the story about two English couples traveling in Spain in the 1970s who stayed at an oddly archaic hotel that simply was gone on their return journey. Physicists like Albert Einstein, Michio Kaku, and Stephen Hawking have all said that time travel is theoretically possible. Our science just can't achieve it. But what if nature can The light in the sky shone white, far from the greens and reds, Jake saw during the Aurora Borealis of 2004, visible in North America as far south as the Lower Midwest. Jake was 15 and he stood outside his parents' home in Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri around 10 p.m. on the 28th of May, leaning against a truck and looking at the lights. He did not know that his life was about to change. Jake said a bright white glow suddenly filled the northern horizon. This looked nothing like the northern lights, nor did it behave like them. Now the light moved like the light of a copy machine. The single bar of brightness moved from west to east over Jake's head and disappeared. Jake said, I thought that I should maybe go inside at this time and found myself unable to move. He said, numbness grew in his arms and legs and he blacked out. When he awoke, he knew that he had been somewhere else. I felt woozy and almost sedated. Time seemed muddled in my head, he said. He walked into the house to find he'd been outside an hour it took most of the night for me to tell my parents what happened and most of the time i kept telling them that i thought the calendar was wrong it should at least be after 2008. to this day my mother remembers bits of this and mainly because i looked at her and asked point blank is the black man president what happened to jake did he have a seizure did he have a psychological phenomena happen to him, or did Jake accidentally take a brief four-year step into the future, into 2008? A man opened the door of his 1999 Chevrolet S10 next to a convenience store gas pump in Springfield, Missouri, when a large man accosted him. The driver of the pickup, whose name was Kell, K-E-L-L, said, As I left the gas station, some large, melon-headed man, dressed in a business suit, yelled, What year is it? The man stood at a spot Kel would have walked by when he left the store, but he hadn't seen him. The man wore a dark black suit with a rough fiber texture, Kel said, along the lines of the things Teddy Roosevelt would wear. What year is it? The man yelled again. The man was white, about 35 to 40, clean-shaven, normal, but he had asked an odd question, and Kel answered him. 2003. The man's face contorted with anger. What year is it? He said, 2003. The large man screamed the question one more time, and Kel said, I said 2003, so he could hear me. Then he quit asking Kel glanced away from the man as he slid into his truck, but safely inside, Kel turned to get another look at him. The man was gone. He disappeared from the front of the gas station, Kell said. In the seconds that it took me to get into my truck and look back around, the man simply vanished. The man hadn't stepped inside the store, the only place he could have gone in that short amount of time. He was just gone. These stories are not so rare as people think, Kel said, but the stories are so bizarre that I don't think anyone would want to come forward to tell it. Who would believe you? A man named Sir Victor Goddard had his own bizarre experience over an airfield in Dram, Scotland. And for those of you who may be listening in Scotland, I'm sorry if I didn't say that right. It's D-R-E-M. And I know there's some unusual accenting on names in in the British Isles. Forgive me. One day in 1935 he was flying to Edinburgh from Andover, England and while on this perfectly ordinary flight he passed over a dilapidated airfield in Drem, Scotland. This place had long been abandoned to the point where foliage had overtaken most of the area and cattle had made themselves at home. That's what Goddard saw as he flew over, a farm with a whole lot of nothing going on. So he continued on his way until he reached Edinburgh. A few days later, Goddard began his trip back to Andover. He took the same route, which would lead him once again over Drem, but before he could get there, he ran into a peculiar storm. It was peculiar because, along with high winds and torrential rain, the storm clouds were yellow. It didn't take long for Goddard to become disoriented and lose control of his plane. He tried to regain control by climbing above the yellow clouds, but they seemed to have no end. His plane began to fall. Fortunately for him, rather, that's when something unexpected happened. The clouds broke and he could see the ground again. Off in the distance was the drum airfield. As he approached the airfield, hoping to reorient himself, suddenly the storm vanished and the sky turned bright and sunny. It stopped raining. Everything became clear but something was different this time. The airfield at Drem was no longer abandoned. In fact, it looked good as new. He could see mechanics down below and four planes, each painted yellow, on the runway. One was a model he had never seen before, a monoplane unlike anything the Royal Air Force had in 1935. But what were the mechanics wearing? Blue overalls? This along with the yellow planes, Goddard found strangest of all. RAF mechanics in 1935 wore brown overalls, not blue, and there were no yellow planes, to his knowledge. Goddard didn't have much time to think about it, though, because He was flying too quickly to truly understand what he was seeing. By the time he'd passed over the airfield, the the storm had suddenly returned and the bright sunshine dissolved into hard rain and those strange yellow clouds engulfed him once more. Once again, he found himself battling for control of his plane, but this time he won and was able to land safely at his home base. When he finally landed, he couldn't help but tell his friends what had happened. As you'd expect. He was met with skepticism, and afterward, he mostly kept the story to himself. He didn't want anyone to think he was crazy, after all. He'd later retell it, though, with some other things, in his 1975 book, Flight Towards Reality. The final twist to this bizarre account? In 1939, the vision that Sir Victor Goddard saw at the Drum Airfield actually came to pass. The RAF began to paint their training planes yellow, and a new monoplane, the Magister, just like the one he'd witnessed in 1935, joined the roster. By that year, even the mechanics overalls had been updated to blue, and of course the airfield at Drem had made a comeback. Had Sir Victor Goddard truly experienced a time slip? Or could there be another explanation for what happened that day in 1935? Was he possibly an inadvertent time traveler? The subject of time travel has always intrigued us. Is it as set as we have always believed? Or does time loop back on itself, giving us a glimpse of a shadowy past out of the corner of our eye? Was it just our imagination that made us believe we had seen an object or building change before our very eyes, and seem as though we'd stepped back into the past? When this happens, we usually shake our heads and put it down to imagination. But over the last few decades, something strange has been happening in or near Bold Street in Liverpool, England. Not just a glimpse of the past, but full immersion into the strange and mysterious world of English history if only for a few minutes at a a time. A step back to the 1950s and 60s. The strange thing about the Bold Street time slips is the actual time and place they are set. In the following cases, the people involved do not go back really far, but seem to visit a particular decade or decades. So far, most of the sightings have been centered around the 1950s and 60s. This is strange in itself. Most time travel experiences seem to take the recipient back to the 18th or 19th century, but not in this case. Are these people simply copying each other in in their experiences, or are they genuinely taking a step back in time? The answer to this has to take into account whether they are doing it deliberately to get noticed, or in other words, are they prepared? perpetuating a hoax. Another explanation could be mass hallucination. And last but not least, they are really experiencing this strange phenomenon. The most important point is the very first person that had this experience obviously totally believed in what he saw, heard, and felt. So the question comes up, does time flow like a river or does it twist and turn going forward then sweeping back, picking up historic events, and placing them down in front of you, if only for a few moments. The story of Frank and Carol. In this first tale, we find Frank and his wife out for a stroll in the Liverpool Town Center. It is 1996. His wife decided she wanted to go and buy a book at Waterstones, the large bookstore, and they started to walk toward the area of the shop. As they approached Bold Street, Frank decided to go to another shop first, but bumped into a friend of his and stopped to chat in the street. His wife went ahead without him. A few moments later, Frank said goodbye to his friend, visited his shop, and turned to go back to meet his wife. After reaching Bold Street again, he headed on towards the bookstore. As he approached, he glanced up and was surprised to see the name Cripps above the door. As he was about to cross over to see what was going on, a van swept past him with the name Cardens on the side. The van driver honked his old-fashioned horn and drove past. Looking around, Frank suddenly realized that things were not quite what they should be. He looked at the cars driving past and realized they were all old-fashioned vehicles, such as people would drive back in the 50s and 60s. Then he noticed the people. Men were wearing hats and macks. The women were dressed in headscarves, full skirts, and had old-fashioned hairstyles, such as women wore just after the war. By this time, Frank was beginning to feel slightly freaked out. He carried on crossing the road and headed towards the store. As he got closer, he noticed in the window there were handbags, shoes, and umbrellas. Suddenly, he saw a young woman looking up at the shop sign. She looked confused. She was wearing modern clothes, and as she saw him approaching, she smiled at him. Frank went into the shop, followed closely by the young woman. When they entered, he was surprised and pleased to see that it had indeed turned back into a bookshop. The young woman smiled, shook her head, and said, That was strange. I thought it was a new clothes shop. Then she walked away, looking extremely puzzled. Now, this may sound like an unlikely tale, but the odd thing about it is that Frank was, in fact, a former police officer who was used to dealing in facts. And definitely wasn't the type of person who would believe in the paranormal. Frank never stopped talking about it. Was this a time slip? Evidently, Cripps was a woman's shop that sold clothes and other goods decades before. And Cardin's was also a well-known Liverpool firm that owned vans around the same time. The story of Imogene and the Mother Care Store. I like the uh, the British Isles because they have such interesting names for places. The Mother Care Store. This concerns a young girl by the name of Imogene. She had decided to go into Liverpool to buy her sister Abigail a few things for her new baby. Upon arriving, she was happy to see a new Mother Care Store that had opened up on the corner of Ward Street and Whitechapel. She wandered around the store and picked up a few baby items, such as cardigans, baby bibs, and gloves. She was surprised to see how cheap the items were, but thought they were on offer as the store had just opened. Taking them to the counter, she tried to pay with her credit card. The staff member looked at her suspiciously and went off to get the manager. When she came back, she looked at the card and told Imogene that they didn't take cards. So disappointed, Imogene went and put the items back as she didn't have any cash with her. When she got home, she told her mother what had happened. Her mother was surprised and really puzzled. That store closed years ago, she said. There's a bank there now. In fact, that's where I have my account. Not believing her, Imogene took her mother back to the same place the next day. Sure enough, the store wasn't there. It was a bank, just as her mother had said. A thief goes back to 1967. A young man named Sean who, while shoplifting in Liverpool back in 2006, ran away from a security guard and headed down Hanover Street. Trying to shake off the guard, Sean turned into a dead-end street called Brooks Alley. By this time he was out of breath and started to get a tight sensation in his chest, but he soon realized that actually it wasn't a problem with him but the atmosphere around him. He waited for the guard to come round in the corner after him, but he never appeared. So thinking he had given him the slip, he sauntered back out and started to walk down Hanover Street again. But he soon realized that something was wrong. The road looked different, and so did the pavement. He noticed cars driving by that looked very old-fashioned, and the roadworks that he knew were there were now gone. Soon he saw that the people around him were wearing strange clothes, crossing over to Bold Street. He noticed that there were traffic lights where there weren't before, and bushes growing around the Lyceum, near a bar that he recognized. He carried on walking. Soon he began to feel that something was not quite right. Then he began to panic. He realized that somehow he had stepped back in time, and the time slip was not going away. Then he remembered his cell phone. He pulled it out of his pocket and tried to get a signal, but of course it didn't work. Eventually he began to really panic, but soon spotted a kiosk selling newspapers and headed over. Leaning over the stand, he took a look at the front page of the Daily Post. There in bold lettering was the date, 18 May 1967. He wondered what to do. What happens if he can't get back to his own time? What about his family and his friends? So speeding up his his pace, he reached H. Samuel the Jewelers and tried his phone once again. This time it worked. Sighing with relief, he looked around and realized that he had returned to the present. But the strange thing was, he could still see down the end of the road people were still walking around in 1967. By this time, Sean had seen enough and dived onto a bus to go home. When he was interviewed by the local newspaper later, he stated over four times the exact account. Now, you may think that Sean was making the story up to escape from the guard, but the strange tale didn't end there. When the guard was interviewed, he stated that when he ran after Sean and turned down the dead-end alley after him, he said that Sean had completely disappeared. When the newspaper checked out the facts of Sean's story, they found that everything he said was historically accurate time slip mystery. These stories are just the tip of the iceberg. There are many tales from around Liverpool that tell of time slips, ghosts, and other strange phenomena. The stories keep coming thick and fast and of course the more tales, the more likely people will start to believe that they are all being made up. Or as the saying goes, urban tales. So what do you think? Real-life time slips? Imagination? Mass hallucination? are purely tales that have started out as fun, but have turned into the greatest urban legends of all time. This is one concept that I believe that concerned hauntings. Uh, People will see reenactments of things that happened in the past. It's a form of time slip, I believe. But the question is, is it the viewer of the haunting who has time slipped? Or is it the hauntor, the ghost? That his time slipped. It's something to consider. I have one final story. And I'll close with this. Takes place in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the battle. Because. This occurred. In the more recent. Like in the 1990's I believe. Story goes that. Two administrators had worked late in the building called Old Dorm, there on Gettysburg College campus. They had finished working overtime up on the fourth floor, uh, I'm sorry, of Pennsylvania Hall, yes, and entered the elevator to take them to the exit on the first floor. The lighted numerals in the elevator displayed their descent three, two, one, then continued past the first floor. The ladies pushed the button for the first floor again, thinking it'll stop and go back up. But then they wondered why the elevator hadn't stopped, or perhaps who's in the basement of Pennsylvania Hall that had summoned the, the elevator. The elevator stopped at basement level. The doors opened to reveal not the area once cleaned up for storage, but a scene out of time and reason. The blood-stained doctors and orderlies of a century before again performing their abhorrent and hideous tasks of slicing sinew and sawing bone and suturing artery and vein and tying ligaments, of carrying armloads of severed limbs to grisly blood-dampened corners and dumping them there unceremoniously. The administrators punched at the buttons frantically, hoping it was merely a temporary short in the modern elevator, not a permanent hole in time. which they had fallen towards a ghastly frozen moment fearing at what might be holding them captive witnesses to the scene one of the orderlies turned toward them and began to look for help into their eyes with the never-ending work but perhaps or perhaps to try to find some way out of the subterranean scene where he himself had been held in forced incarceration for twelve decades as he took a step toward them The elevator doors closed. The administrators are gone from Gettysburg College now. But while they yet remain true professionals that they were, they continued some nights to work after dark in Old Dorn. But also, it is known that after putting in their extra hours, as they left the structure that once in the past and once more recently, echoed with the cries and moans of torn men and boys, they always chose to use the stairs well that's my story for this week my stories for this week I hope you enjoyed them Uh, I've never uh, encountered a time slip I had missing time but I blame that on a wonderful medicine that I had one time for migraine headaches called Darvon I lost two and a half hours one night while I was driving which is scary enough Uh, Losing the two and a half hours is scary, but driving and losing two and a half hours is even scarier. Uh, There's no evidence that I went anywhere or did anything strange. My car was okay. It was not damaged. It was not dirty. It was not scratched. I didn't have paint or blood or body parts stuck to it, so I just had missing time. But I blame the wonderful Darvon because Darvon was so great, you could take a trip and never leave the farm. But they they took it off the market because it worked too well, I think. But anyway, that's my story for this week. Again, I hope you've had a wonderful Christmas, and I hope you have a a very happy and prosperous new year coming up. This is Terry from Texas saying goodnight for now, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.